listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going and you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we've got Peter Watts joining us in the studio. Welcome back Peter. Thank you Jason, it's great to be here again. Now, I just want to remind our listeners, this is um, our 11th part of, or it's actually our 12th program, but 11th part of Daniel that we're doing today. It is a recorded program, and uh, as a result, we can't um, uh, interact with you directly, but if you do text us in, we will respond. And, uh, yeah, just want to let you know that this is a pre-recorded program, the last of our pre-recorded programs, because Peter will be back live next week uh, with uh, going on with this chapter, Daniel 11, that Mm. we're doing today. So um, before we get too much into our program... Um, we've got our, our show number, 0488-880-891. You can use that number to claim our free book offer coming up later in the program. We do encourage you to text in. And if you've got any questions, uh, even whilst uh, Peter's away and this is a, a recorded program, I will promise you that we will get back to you if you text us any questions Very or good. anything. So, And I can uh, email Peter and... You know, I'll yeah, put the questions right. to him, and he, he'll have to get back to me. So, zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. That's our show number. Now, of course, past episodes we've uh, we've done ten chapters of Daniel, and the mm. first one was just an overview. So, we've done eleven programs. This is our twelfth program. Would you like to just give us a quick uh, summary of we last week's yeah. uh, Daniel eleven, uh, Daniel chapter ten, last week, sure. and? Where we're going. Yeah, for sure. So uh, where we're up to so far. So this series is called Daniel and the God of Wisdom. And we have been looking at the Old Testament book of Daniel and some of the lessons that we can learn. And this book tells us at the end of the book, it uh, in chapter 12, it says, seal up the book until the time of the end. And so this is a, a book that has special messages, special relevance for those of us living at the end of time. And so last week we looked at Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 all go together. It's all one passage, but it's quite a lengthy passage, so we've broken it up. It's been broken up into those chapters. In fact, today we're going to look at Daniel 11, but it's going to be Daniel 11a, uh, and then next week we'll look at Daniel 11b, um, simply because there's so much uh, material in this. Now, one of the things we want to make available to you is a brief outline um and it's called the Daniel Prophecy Chart, and it's basically comparing Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 11. And the reason for that is there is going to be information in those previous prophecies of Daniel 2, 7, and 8 that is going to help us in our interpretation of Daniel 11. Mm. So we'd encourage you to get that chart. And how can they get that chart, Jason? They can text in the code Daniel PC, no spaces. So the PC stands for Prophecy Chart. Daniel PC. Text that in to 0488-880-891 and you should receive a response which sends a link to you with the uh, link to where you can download the prophecy chart. Yeah, it's a very simple chart. We've we've tried to make it as simple as possible and it outlines um, 
some of the things we've already spoken of. Obviously, we did uh, Chapter 10 last week, mm-hmm. and so uh, we've done Chapter 2, Chapter 7, and Chapter 8. Chapter 10 was a, uh, a, a passage where Daniel was in prayer and fasting, and he was visited by uh, heavenly messengers. He saw a vision of Jesus. He was visited by an angel, and uh, that angel uh, revealed to Daniel the spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes mm. uh, and the spiritual battles that are going on behind the physical forces that we see. And he was talking about uh, the Prince of Persia and so forth. Um, and that really, that background sets us up for some of the um, physical dimensions of what's happening in the kingdom, and which we're going to read about in Daniel chapter 11. Now, there are two other offers that um, uh, these are... Uh, automatic response messages that you can get as well to get additional charts in Daniel 8 and 8 so we, so we had a code called Daniel 8C and we had a Daniel 9C you can text all of those into the show number 0488880891 and they also help you to understand all of these prophecies that we've covered but yeah. the summary is this uh, PC the prophecy chart which is the one that sort of puts it all together yeah this is going to be the one that's going to be helpful <clears throat> for us today now one of the things I want to say Jason before we get into Daniel chapter 11 is that Daniel chapter 11 is perhaps uh, well, it is the most challenging chapter of the book of Daniel mm. and possibly the most challenging chapter in all Scripture. Mm. Uh, there are um, a couple of prophecies in Scripture that are more challenging than others. If you go to the book of Revelation, for instance, the seven trumpets, the section on the seven trumpets is the most challenging part of the book of Revelation. Um, and certainly in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 11 is the most challenging part. So uh, we have a daunting task uh, uh, before us and we're going to tackle it in two uh, parts so we're going to do Daniel 11a this week and we'll do Daniel 11b next week but this uh, Daniel uh, prophecy chart that people can text in for um, is going to be helpful in just establishing where the various elements of Daniel ev- uh, 11 fit in with the other prophetic passages. Now, what I want to say is our understanding of prophecy, and we're going to lay a bit of a foundation before we get into the actual text itself, our understanding of the foundation, uh, the, 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 um, the way to understand the prophecies of Daniel is called an historicist approach. That is to say that we believe that the prophecies were given at the time of the writer, that's where they begin, Mm -hmm. and they move forward through history, giving us some details, and then they finish at the end of time. Mm. And so um, that's what we say. That's that's the historicist approach. Um, In recent centuries, not in recent years, but in recent centuries, other approaches have been offered in order to interpret these passages and part of them uh, have you know um, theological motivation in other words um, some of the passages uh, that we've uh, referenced uh, talk about the antichrist and the power that would arise to spiritually uh, challenge god and his people and um, in order for Uh, that power to deflect, if you like, attention from itself, Uh, other interpretations uh, have arisen. So there is uh, futurism and preterism. Preterism suggests that the prophecies are actually all to do uh, with, uh, so for instance, Daniel, 
Preterism would suggest all the prophecies were fulfilled before Christ came, Mm -hmm. and that's where they all belong. Uh, Futurism, on the other hand, pushes the prophecy all the way down to the end of time in the future and say, well, uh, that doesn't have any um, um, place in history, but it's all to do with the future. Mm. Now, what historicism does is it takes future... Uh, sorry, pre- uh, past, present, and future, and combines them all in in one historicist pro- prophecy that goes from the time of the writer. And really, when we look at some of the prophecies, for particularly Daniel chapter 2, for instance, which is kind of like the ABC of Bible prophecy, it clearly starts in the time of Daniel. Daniel mm. says to the king, you are the head of gold. That's the Babylonian empire. Yeah, yeah the Babylonian image in uh, Daniel chapter 2, you are the head of gold, Daniel says to the king, mm. and it goes all the way through through until God establishes his kingdom and not only does God establish his kingdom it says that it, it says uh, all of the other kingdoms are broken up and it says no trace of them is found mm. so this is clearly the end of the world and so you have a, a, a plan then from the time of Daniel the writer two and a half thousand years ago all the way through to the end of time and Daniel chapter 7 follows that similar pattern. Daniel chapter 8 follows that similar pattern. And we're going to find that Daniel 11 also follows that similar pattern. And from Daniel 10, uh, we're starting in the time of the Medes and Persians. Correct. So we have a, uh, um, a starting point. We've said before that Daniel 10, 11, and 12 all belong to the same piece of writing. Mm. And Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, as we discovered in our last presentation, opens with, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So it's very clear when this takes place. So it's in the time of the beginnings of the the, the Medes and the Persian reign. Um, so we have a, an anchor point right there. And uh, then if we go all the way through to, say, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. This is sounding like revelation language. Yeah, this is the second coming of Christ, essentially. Mm. He's going to come back and deliver us. Mm. And so what you have in this passage from Daniel 10, 11, 12 is... You start with the Medes of Persians, you finish with the coming of Christ at the end of the world, and everything in in between has to fit within the history of that period. Mm. Um, so as we understand that, uh, that's going to be helpful for us in unpacking this. And I'll tell you a little bit wh- uh, after the break, we're going to have a break, and I'll tell you a little bit about why... Uh, perhaps others interpret it a different way um, and it will be helpful for us to understand why people come to other conclusions and and why we're coming to the conclusions we are. Now, of course, there's a lot of details in these visions that have been given. We're going to ask you a question. The question is, why do you think God tells us all of these details through these visions? What do you think it tells us about God? Text us in your answer, 0488-880-891. This is King of Kings by Caleb and Kelsey. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the 
to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with Peter Watts and we are getting into Daniel chapter 11 and we've been uh, talking about the I guess the framework of the the prophecies of Daniel Mm -hmm. and we're going to continue to talk about that a little bit more and then eventually we'll dive into some of the text. All right. So uh, you you were telling me Peter that um, Mm. There are sort of fence posts and milestones that we can identify, and you've also got some other, I guess, general principles that we use to interpret prophecy. Yeah, sure. So um, as we go through Daniel chapter 11, we find sometimes phrases or references that we've seen before in the book of Daniel, Mm. and they help us to pinpoint where we are in the stream of history. Okay, And um, again, uh, because we have understood or we've studied Daniel 2, 7, and 8 prior 
to getting into Daniel 11. That gives us a basis of understanding, you know, that framework. So sometimes people want to dive into the most complex matters. You know, first of all, I know many people who um, may have never picked up a Bible before, but I I want to understand that revelation, Mm. you know. Mm. And the challenge of that is revelation is based upon the idea that you've read the rest of Scripture. Mm. You know, so uh, sometimes it's important for us. It's the same with anything else. If you want to study mathematics, you don't start with trigonometry. You start with basic elementary math. Mm. Um, And and this is what um, we need to move from the simple to the more complex. And and Daniel's prophecies actually do that. Daniel chapter 2 is the basic simple prophecy very easy to understand Mm. not complicated um, and that is the framework the basis for understanding the other prophecies that follow in 7 8 and 11 Um, one of the reasons that have uh, i guess made this challenging for some christians is that um, there was a neoplatonic philosopher called porphyry who lived uh, between 234 and 305 a.d and he regarded the prophecies of Daniel as being written after the events they described. In other mm. words, he didn't think they were prophecy. He thought they were just history written down later. Okay. And many modern critics of prophecies of the book of Daniel believe that you should begin with Daniel 11 and a uh, Greek ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes IV and work backwards through the prophecy. So in other words, try and understand the uh, the factions in Daniel chapter 11 and then interpret Daniel 8 based on that, interpret Daniel 7 based on that, and interpret Daniel 2 based on that. Hmm. We believe that you should go in the opposite direction. You start with Daniel well, 2. It was given to Daniel in, in that in order. The, in the order of Daniel 2 and 7, seven and 8 and 11. Yeah. So it makes sense. So in other words, uh, others apply uh, Daniel 11 only to the wars between the Seleucids and the Ptolemies. Now, certainly some of that is included in the prophecy, and we will see that. But that's not what's that's not the only thing contained there. Um, and thus Porphyry, who was not a believer in, in the book of Daniel in terms of uh, him receiving those messages in the sixth century BC, thus Porphyry's theory to discredit the early authorship of Daniel has now become the mainstream view among many evangelical churches. And so um, we we need to understand this. So However, the prophecy of Daniel 2 indicates that the historicist interpretation of apocalyptic prophecy is the right approach. In this understanding, we move from the simple Daniel 2 to the more complex Daniel 7, 8 and 11. Mm. All right. So with that framework in mind, we can begin looking at Daniel chapter uh, 11. Um, There's another uh, element of the uh, interpretation that I'd like to mention, too, and that is we're going to look at a lot of uh, literal geographic um, powers and elements in this first part of the, the uh, prophecy. And that is up until all, all before Christ. Mm. Once you get to Christ, it moves from being literal geographic to symbolic spiritual. And let me give you an example of that. Israel, for instance. Israel in the Old Testament is literally God's people and they're in a physical location, the land of Israel. Mm. When you come to after Christ has been crucified and risen again, the Christian church embodies spiritual Israel and they carry the flag for God. So that's important to understand because many people believe literal Israel in the Middle East today also has a part to play in Bible prophecy. But that's a misunderstanding of the way in which um, 
the Bible uses the symbol of Israel in the New Testament. Mm. And so that's important for us to understand. All right. So uh, we we read verse 1 here. Are we going to go on now and continue we, on? Yeah, we, we read it last week. We haven't read it today yet, in fact. We're going to, I'm going to do something that we did last time in Daniel 10, and that is read the last verse of Daniel 10, verse 21. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to read through 11, 1, because these two really belong together. So in Daniel 10, 21, an angel is talking to Daniel. He says, but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Those two verses really belong together. Yeah. So effectively, first one of Daniel 11 really belongs in chapter 10. Mm. And that's important for us to understand. As now, the angel is going to continue to reveal now to Daniel Uh, more details of this great prophecy that he's going to share with him. So maybe you could read verse 2, please, Jason. It says, And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. So that's a uh, a certain milestone there, or a marker yeah, there, isn't it? With, right. the, with the naming of the naming of, of the, Greece, the you have several, uh, you know, se- several specific kings. Mm. He says, "I'll tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings." Now, at the beginning <clears throat> of Daniel chapter ten, it says this was in the third year of Cyrus mm-hmm. of the Persians. So Cyrus is the king ruling, but he's saying there are going to be three more, uh, and then a fourth who will be even richer than than the rest. And that fourth one is going to stir up all against the realm of Greece. Mm. So there's a lot of detail in this one verse. And these uh, kings, so you have three kings after Cyrus. One is Cambyses. Then you have uh, Bardia. Then you have Darius I or Darius the Great. And then you have uh, Xerxes I or Ahasuerus. Those are the four kings mentioned here, three and then a fourth that would stir up against the realm of Greece. What we can say about this is that um, Xerxes I, who is called in the Bible Ahasuerus in the book of Esther, so he's the king ruling at the time of Esther. Um, Xerxes I is maybe known to some of our listeners um, as being the person featured in that film 300, which was about the battle between the Greeks and the Spartans Mm. in Greece. Sorry, uh, the Persians and the Spartans in Greece. Um, And so you have um, Xerxes I was the Persian king that went there and fought with the Spartans. And there were 300 Spartans who held out for a long time against the Persians. And they uh, were known, you know, became renowned for their bravery. But uh, they did eventually fall to uh, Xerxes I. Now, uh, the point of this is interesting is that it says... Three more shall arise, then a fourth. He'll stir up all against the realm of Greece. And from that moment onwards, the focus of the chapter shifts to the Greek Empire Mm -hmm. because then it talks about another king, and we'll see some more familiar language here in verse 3. That a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he has risen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted, even for others besides these. All right. So this mighty king that shall arise is 
Alexander the Great, who uh, was the ruler of the Greek Empire. Um, and like I said, again, in verse 2, once it mentions Greece, it switches its focus to the Greek Empire, even though there are other Persian kings that rule after you know, Xerxes the first, it then shifts its focus to Greece. And we see familiar language here in verse uh, four. It says, when he is risen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven. Mm. This matches the description was of the, the four horns the in four Daniel horns 8. on the goat that uh, came up after the, the one horn was broken. Correct. So yeah. that in Daniel chapter eight, mm. we see four horns appear after uh, the first king, Alexander the Great, is broken. Mm-hmm. And then also, if we go back to the Daniel chapter 7, the leopard beast had four heads mm-hmm. representing its leadership. And this is describing the factions of the Greek Empire after Alexander the Great dies. He dies in Babylon after conquering you know, uh, much of the then-known world. He then dies in Babylon, and uh, his kingdom then is broken up and four of his generals uh, rule in his place, and those generals are Cassander, uh, Ptolemy, Seleucus, and Lysimachus. Now, what's interesting is that whilst you've got those uh, four different generals, it is Ptolemy and Seleucus that we see featured more prominently now in the passage that follows. And that is simply because the writer is, or the, the angel and the writer Daniel, are now focusing on the impact that those uh, kingdoms are going to have on the people of Israel. Mm. So Israel is in the middle. So you will see that the Seleucids um, to the north where Syria was, um, they were immediately to the north of the kingdom of, of Israel. And then the Ptolemies ruled in Egypt, which was immediately to the south of where the the kingdom of Israel was. So um it, what you see now is those elements being emphasized. And you, you read um, passages like the king of the north and the king of the south, and it's referring to either the Seleucid kingdom or the Ptolemaic kingdom in this part of the vision. Um, we might take a break. Uh, we're going to pick that up when we come back. So we're going to take a look at uh, verse 4, uh, sorry, verse 5 when we come back. Okay. So uh, this uh, song is called Your Will Be Done by Hoku Clements. And uh, just remove that question. The vision, this vision contains so many details. What do you think this tells us about God? Text us in on 0488 880891. Here I am. This is the life I've been given. I'm just one out of countless there were and will be. You know each step, every word that is yet to be spoken. The length of my life to the moment, the very last breath I will breathe. And Father, I need you to give me some peace in this madness, beauty for ashes. Of day. 
Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Peter Watts on the series Daniel and the God of Wisdom and we're digging into Daniel chapter 11 which is a a complex passage. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. So we're going to pick it up from verse 4 again. I think we read it but we're going to reread that and continue on. Sure. So uh, in um, verse 4... Talking about the factions, it says, um, well, we'll pick it up in verse 3. It says, a mighty king, we mentioned this was Alexander the Great, shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he has risen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven. We mentioned that. But not among his posterity. 
nor according to his dominion which he rule, for his rule, uh, his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others beside these. So it's just noting that Alexander the Great didn't leave behind an heir, and so it goes to his four generals that we've mentioned. That's actually quite interesting, isn't it? That it it, it uh, specifically forecasts that there, mm. and the fact that uh, not according to his, his posterity, his, his son would not be. Uh, Ruling. ruling in his place mm. absolutely and so then what you have in verse 5 I'm just going to read this first line from verse 5 it says also the king of the south shall become strong now here's the first time we get one of these references the king of the south in, a, in a, uh, the next verse it's going to mention also the king of the north mm. and essentially what you have now in the next uh, many verses is you have those powers that are immediately to the north of Jerusalem and immediately to the south okay so uh, to the land of the Jews you've got immediately to the north was Syria and that was governed by Seleucid and the kings of the Seleucids uh, immediately to the south of uh, the Jewish nation, you had Egypt and the kings that ruled the Egyptian uh, nation, which were the Ptolemies. So these are two factions of the Greek Empire, and we're going to see them referred to often, the king of the north and the king of the south. Mm-hmm. Um, just be, uh, We need to bear that in mind that these represent these two factions of the Greek Empire. So I'm going to read, I'll get you to read actually, Jason. Uh, would you like to read just five through eight to establish this north-south divide? Also the king of the south shall become strong, as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion, and at the end of some years they shall join forces, for the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement, but she shall not retain the power of her authority, and neither he nor his authority shall stand. But she shall be given up with those who brought her, and with him who begot her, and with him who strengthened her in those times. But from a branch of her roots one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north, and deal with them and prevail. And he shall also carry their gods captive to Egypt, and uh, with their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold, and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. All right, so lots of complex language in there. Um, But uh, again, what this is establishing from uh, verse 5 really all the way through to, um, it even mentions it um, later on, but certainly through to about verse 15, you have these characters, the king of the north and the king of the south. And typically the king of the north is represented by the Seleucid ruler of that time and the king of the south represented by the Ptolemaic ruler of that time. And what you have in this next 10 verses is really uh, either battles between the king of the north and the south or alliances that are made between the king of the north and the south. And sometimes those are political alliances. Sometimes they're alliances made through marriage where the daughter of one will marry the son of another. So it mentions that here. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so so that's really what you have. And whilst you've got a lot of complex language, we know that we're in the Greek period because we've um, transitioned from Media Persia to Greece in verse 2, I think it was, uh, of this chapter. And then... Um, We've got uh, these different factions. Now, we mentioned before, you mentioned, I think, before, fence posts and milestones. Mm. Uh, and that is to say, as you go through, we we might not, we're not going to read every verse. People um, hopefully can get hold of a Bible and they can read through these verses. 
Um, I think we're going to mention as our book offer a commentary on the book of Daniel uh, for today's uh, offer, which I think is uh, a good idea when you're looking particularly at Daniel chapter 11. Um, and that will be helpful for people. So we'll reference that in a few moments. But, um, yeah, so you have these factions, north and south, representing different uh, factions of the Greek Empire. But when you get to, say, verse 16, uh, we'll drop down there for a moment. Um, and it uh, talks about the glorious land here. Notice uh, something here. Oh, let me, let me um, jump back again, Jason. Sorry, I, I've just remembered something I'd forgotten. When we're in verse 8... Uh, you'd mentioned uh, there, it says he shall carry their gods captive to Egypt. This is interesting because it's actually identifying the king of the south with Egypt. Mm. Um, And certainly uh, geographically, physically, that's exactly what it was at Mm. that time. Mm. And that's going to be important later because whilst we're talking about literal geographic now, after the cross, we start to talk about king of the north and king of the south in this um, chapter representing spiritual powers rather than physical ones. And that idea of uh, the King of the South representing Egypt is going to be important later. So I mention that now because it's mentioned there in verse 8. Let's go down to verse 16 and uh, we'll read that verse and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will. And one and no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power. That uh, sounds a little bit familiar. Yes. So um, obviously the glorious land is a reference to God's country, God's Mm -hmm. uh, Israel. And again, Jerusalem around that area. That's right. And so uh, this is where we believe there's a transition from the Greek powers to the Roman power. Yeah. Uh, Rome is growing in influence at this time. Rome tells Antiochus to stay. This is Antiochus. uh, He's uh, the ruler of the, the north. Uh, to stay out of Egypt and leave the the child alone, and this is talking about um, the the uh, the Egyptian uh, heir. This is ignored, and in 168 BC, Rome declared war on the Greek Empire and defeats it at the Battle of Pid- uh, Pydna in northern Greece, thus ending the Greek Empire and establishing Rome as the new power. Egypt then comes under the protection of Rome. Now, some people may have. Um, may remember the film Cleopatra and they may if they've ever seen that film they may um, remember that Julius Caesar comes down and meets with Cleopatra and they end up having an affair and in fact has uh, Cleopatra has a child to Julius Caesar but um, this is where uh, Rome then begins to uh, rule or govern or uh, be a protector protector of, if you like, Egypt. In 63 BC, Pompey of Rome enters Palestine and after a siege takes control of Jerusalem. And this would be a reference to uh, the glorious land. If you go to verse 17 now. And it says, he shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him. Thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it, but she shall not stand with him or be for him. All right. Some believe that this uh, reference to the daughter of women is is kind of an interesting phrase, daughter of women. Mm. And it it seems to emphasize the femininity of the person. And uh, Cleopatra was certainly um, well known um, for her 
um, I guess, uh, femininity and her ability to attract uh, rulers uh, of, of other nations. And so in 51 BC, Ptolemy the uh, 11th dies. He leaves his two children, Cleopatra and Ptolemy the twelfth, under the guardianship of Rome. And these may be the upright ones that are spoken of in this chapter. They may refer to these two rulers of Egypt. The daughter of women, Cleopatra, emphasizing her femininity, she became mistress to Julius Caesar after he invaded Egypt. Um, Then after his assassination, she turned her affections to Mark Antony. Ultimately, Cleopatra did not stand for Caesar, but rather her own political interests. And that may be what is referenced there in uh, verse 17. Maybe we'll um, take a break and then we'll come back and look at verse 18. Our book offer today is called God Cares, and this is book one, um, covering the whole book of Daniel. It's uh, this detailed commentary that uh, Peter mentioned before. Um, It's well worth getting. It really contains lots of research and information regarding the various chapters of Daniel. Um, This is one of two books. The second book covers Revelation. So we have given this book away before in this series, but we're giving it away again today. And right after the break, we will give you the code for this book. This is Hannah Kerr with Same God. The same God who makes the planet spin Tells the tide when it should rise Put the color in my eyes The same God who makes the seasons change Knows the number of the stars Every secret in my heart All my doubts All my questions In every fear I have about what might happen You're the same me in the middle of it all, God, you're catching every tear as it falls, I know you'll never change, even when I'm feeling far away, you love me the same, God, you love me the same, God, you love me the same. God of grace and empathy You know how it feels to cry Cause you lived a human life You're not afraid of anything Even darkness is a light There's no reason I should hide All my doubts All my questions In every fear I have About what might happen You're the same And every tear as it falls I know you'll never change Even when I'm feeling far away You love me the same, God You love me the same, God You love me the same, God You love me the same Even when I'm breaking still you love me Even 
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're finishing up our program with Peter Watts on the first part of Daniel chapter 11. Now before the break we talked about our book offer today and this is one we've given away before but we're giving it away again because it's such a great resource when it comes to understanding the prophecies of Daniel and it's called God Cares Book 1. Our code for today is Daniel 4. No spaces. Daniel 4. Text that into 0488 880891. So, Peter, I think we're up to about verse 18 in chapter 11 of Daniel, mm. and uh, we've got a few more verses to go to finish up today. Yes, yeah, so we're going to read through, we're going to read through some more verses. We'll probably come up towards uh, verse uh, 30 today because we actually have a part two of Daniel chapter 11 because there's so much detail in this um, and uh, as I say uh, some of this um, you are better off getting a commentary to to be able to understand all the various details but we mentioned before that there are fence posts and milestones uh, that can help us and uh, in 18 we, we believe here that we're talking about the Roman Empire so let's read the verse 18 and we'll um, unpack that a little bit it says, After this he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many, but a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end, and with the reproach removed he shall turn back on him. Mm. So we talked before about uh, the relationship between Cleopatra and Julius Caesar when he had gone south to Egypt. Um, Julius Caesar was involved in various sea battles, and it mentions here he turned his face towards the, the coastlines coast and yeah. so forth. Mm. Um, and, um, uh, you know, only obviously eventually to be assassinated on the 15th of March, 44 BC. Uh, many have uh, probably heard of the Ides of March, which is when uh, Julius Caesar was uh, assassinated. And then we come to, um, so yes, so that's right. Uh, sorry, verse 19. Then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land. That would be Rome. But he shall stumble and fall and not be found. And that, that's a reference to that's his, his assassination. assassination. Yeah. yeah. So pick up on verse 20. There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. But within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. Okay. So it says there arises in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious land. Well, the glorious kingdom. Mm. So it's, it's well known that the Roman Empire had very heavy taxes. Mm. So the glorious kingdom, that would be another reference to the Holy Land. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, there's, yeah, there are a number of references to the Roman taxes. There are a number of references to tax collectors in the New Testament. Mm. And particularly in, um, in Matthew, there is uh, the um, passage where people come to Jesus and say, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, whose image is on the, show me the tax money. And they give him a coin, and he says, whose, whose image and inscription is this? And they say, mm. Caesar's. And he says, render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, and render unto God that which belongs to God. Was Matthew actually a tax collector himself? Matthew was a tax yeah. collector. So he's the one recording this story, mm. which is uh, fascinating in itself. So Jesus recognized um, that, uh, you know, we should pay our taxes, and that's okay. And... Um, so, yeah, so we would say here that this uh, references Augustus Caesar, uh, which is mentioned in the scriptures, of course. There are four uh, Roman Caesars mentioned in the New Testament. You've got Augustus, Tiberius, 
Claudius is mentioned, and then as a reference to Augustus in the book of Acts, which is actually referencing Nero. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's by the name by which he went with, with there. So let's um, pick up verse uh, 21. 21. And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor or royalty of royalty, but he shall come in in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. All right. So this is a reference to Tiberius Caesar, who was not popular and um, he wasn't Augustus's blood relative. He, he, had, he was adopted by Augustus mm. uh, and became king uh, to a large extent, I think, um, due to um, Augustus's wife, um, Livia. And so... Um, so we we have uh, that there. So let's take a look now at verse 22. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. Okay, so here's a reference to the prince of the covenant. And this we would recognize uh, as a reference to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus himself. So um, it, it's, it's, you know, saying that they will be swept away before him and be broken and also the Prince of the Covenant. So it's talking about the Prince of the Covenant being broken. Mm, so this is another milestone or a marker. I think it is, exactly. Mm. So this is another fence post where, you know, Jesus at the Last Supper, supper he, he took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Mm. Um, and so... Um, there he was establishing a covenant with his people and and so you have uh, a reference we believe to to jesus here mm. all right so um verse 23 23 yeah we can um let's let's read verse 23 and after the league is made with him he shall act deceitfully for he shall come up and become strong with an, a small number of people yeah, and he says he shall enter peaceably even into the richest places of the province and he shall do what his fathers have not done nor his forefathers he shall disperse amongst the uh, uh, disperse among them the plunder spoil and riches and shall devise his plans against the strongholds but only for a time this really talks to the expanse of the Roman Empire mm. uh, and where it says you know he's going to do what his fathers even his fathers didn't do before him um, and this is the expanse of the Roman Empire and we see the the, the Roman Empire growing um, in this part. And even interestingly enough, there's um, another reference in verse 27, which talks about um, the, um, or is it in verse 26? I think it's 26, where it talks about the king of the south. That's right. And so you even have the references to north and south uh, in this passage also. And what we see in this passage all the way down to verse 30, we're not going to read uh, every verse of it, but it talks to the pagan Roman Empire. And um, what's interesting is obviously the pagan Roman Empire began before the time of Christ. So Mm -hmm. the pagan Roman Empire uh, overthrew the Greeks in about 168 BC. So you have this uh, power coming into place. And then after the time of Christ, you have a, a transition of that power from pagan Rome into a more spiritual power, which we've already seen in Daniel chapter 7. We've seen it in Daniel chapter 8, and we're going to see it again in Daniel chapter 11. And that's really going to be the subject for next week's episode, where we look at Daniel chapter 11, part B, where we're going to pick up uh, this from verse 31 onwards, where we actually see um, an interesting uh, reference to um, 
the uh, the people of the covenant, the sanctuary, and so forth, and we start to it's see some references to, that that spiritual language yeah. starts to be spoken about. We again. see some references that we've also seen in Daniel chapter eight, mm. and this helps us again to sort of see where we are in the course of time. Mm. So. Yes, it's complicated language. If you're reading through Daniel chapter 11, uh, you know, you might be uh, reading it and saying, I can't understand this. What is this? Um, What I would suggest to people is to think of it like this. If I had a piece of paper in front of me and it was it contained the music of Mozart, I do not read music. Mm -hmm. So I would look at that and I'd say. What is this? This is just a bunch of dots and smudges on a piece of paper. This, you know, obviously it's nonsense. Obviously it's worthless. If you gave it to me, I could probably give you some idea. (laughs) You probably could because you can read music. I can't read music. Mm. So in other words, the fact that I can't understand something is not evidence of its worthlessness. Yes. It's simply evidence of my ignorance. And so when we look at a passage like Daniel chapter 11 that's so complicated, we have to recognize, okay, there's still things for me to learn here. There's still more information for me to get. Uh, And it demonstrates the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God rather than, um, you know, demonstrating that we just can't understand it. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, uh, over time, um, both in our own journeys and in the history of the The earth, um, more information becomes known to us, Mm. whether through our own study or through even archaeological things. Uh, We've mentioned that we don't know everything about the Darius, or I I say Darius. I don't know why, but Darius. That's okay. Darius the need. (laughs) Uh, We don't know everything about him Yeah, I believe one day we'll find some information about him, but Mm. we know it's true because it's in the Bible. We, We believe in the inspired word. Uh, tomorrow, join us with Daniel Mateo with uh, Facets of Faith, and he'll, he'll be talking about the knock, and this is going to be focusing on the return of Christ. Uh, next week, of course, we'll be studying the rest of the book of Daniel 11 with Peter Watts. Remember, our code for today is Daniel number four, no spaces. Text it into 0488-880-891, and uh, that's the book, God Cares. Wherever you are, have a great day. And uh, this song, Do Not Worry by Ellie Holcomb, is so good for us. See the birds that are singing in the spring air. They're giving everything they need. They don't worry where their next meal will come from. They don't worry about a thing. So just look around you and try to listen to the song. Creation sings Don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the God who made everything See the flowers in their colorful beauty They're dressed better than a king They don't worry about what they should wear no they don't worry about a thing so just look around you try to listen to the song creation sings and don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the god who made everything because you're you're not a bird and you're you're not a flower you don't have petals or wings You're worth so much more To the God who made everything Ooh. 
you worry about today or tomorrow and the storms that they might bring. Try to remember that you're in the hands of the God who made every single thing. Now just remember, you're not a bird and you're not a flower. You don't have petals or wings. But there's good news because you're worth so much more. Thank you.